0: Thank you dear. Morning then everybody. 25th Wednesday the twenty fifth of April I think. 2007. Um, Shall we have a little prayer first and then uh, I'll uh, share with you what's um, come up. Father thank you. (laughs) Father I just want to say thank you that you're doing a new thing. And, Father, thank you that we're on the cutting edge of what you're doing. Father, just hidden away out here in the sticks. Nobody knows about us. And we know the majesty and supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know we feel a shift in the heavenlies. We feel a shift on the earth. We know there is a shift in your church. And, Father, we thank you so much that our times are in your hands and not in our own. Thank you so much that we can trust you with everything. That Father, you are the one that cares for us, as a shepherd to his sheep. Father, I ask that your agenda will come forth this morning. Whatever it is you want to do, that uh, I personally will just step aside and let you do what you want to do. Because I don't want to be away. You you are building a house, not made with hands here and uh, I just don't want to get my sticky fingers on it so Father I trust your Holy Spirit to, to lead and to guide us through this time together this fellowship together this koinonia time fellowshipping with you and with one another in Jesus name Amen Well as you know i went down to see telsa and she's coming up on friday i think for the conference um but i also saw lola some of you know lola yeah she is very well uh, She has come through that dark night that she traversed for about 10 years uh, and she really is right through and So different and and talking so differently and understanding so differently and those of you who know her know that she is Prophetic Um, She spoke many things Thank you father over me. Uh, She went off again uh, when I saw her on Sunday evening But she brought with her something the Lord had given her the day before and I thought how interesting it is that it's absolutely in alignment with what's been going on here and it encapsulates really what we've been talking about. So, this is what Lola said The first impression I had was that the Father was taking us lower, not to abase us, but that we might abound, breaking us out of the mold or castes that we have built up round ourselves as individuals. I saw it as plaster of Paris and people totally encased. Father is bringing us to a place of desperation where we can no longer depend on our good ideas or opinions because nothing works and we cannot fix it in our own strength because what he is building is not of the soul, man's ideas or imaginations of how church should be but out of the spirit, that which breaks every bondage, passes through every denominational barrier bypasses our understanding and yet connects deeply with our spirit father is aligning our hearts and our minds and our spirits with his way of doing things we are not free nor have we reached freedom in christ until we have truly laid upon the altar at the foot of the cross or whatever is the place of unconditional surrender for you as an individual our right to choose to have things as we want them our way those things that are founded (coughs) on past experience what works what doesn't this is the way it ought to be. Uh, because this is what I'm used to or this is the way that it's always been done or what suits me we have to move away from how will this change affect me, myself and I to how will what we do benefit the gospel of Jesus Christ and further his kingdom here on earth we can do those things as we are truly willing to surrender all that we know as church all that is familiar to us and truly let Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit be the foundation stone on which we build. We are here to serve the Father and the Son through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, not serve ourselves. Isaiah six thirteen and Isaiah eleven verse one, <coughs> um, out of the stump the remnant. I think is Isaiah eleven verse one. John fifteen two. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. At the moment we are like Isaiah 6 verse 8 We are hearing but not hearing Seeing yet not seeing But we will Because Father is pruning, cutting back, peeling away The layers of our self-sufficiency Until in our weakness we cry out Not just as I, just as individuals But as a body Father we can't, but you can Jesus will build his church And the gates of hell will not prevail against it Then out of the ashes we shall rise up as one new man, a body united in Christ, willing to lay down our lives for one another and the sake of the gospel, crying with one voice, not my will but yours be done, Father. Father is building his church, a church without walls, a body of people that are so in tune with him and one another, that where they live geographically, worship physically, will not be of any account because the same love that is in them is in him and will be in them. He wants to and has begun this work in us. The teething problems and discomfort are part of the process, part of the change Father is bringing about, that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds into agreement with him and his plans and purposes. Nothing will work that is not of him. One thing struck me this week was in John 16 verse 13. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. If the Holy Spirit is silent whilst listening to the Father and the Son, listening to them, how much more do we need to be a people who ask, Holy Spirit, how do you want this done? And listen to hear from heaven his reply from the Father and the Son. So it's all the same things as I've been talking about. The same thing as God spoke to me about in 2000 or 2001. Uh, that all that is not of Him will burn. In other words, if it's not initiated by the Holy Spirit, it's going to have no eternal reward, and He'll just kill it off. <coughs> uh, I think it goes on to say, in uh, it's in Matthew. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And what He showed me was that it meant that their their hearts were not in alignment with his so they hadn't got his heart at all in what they were doing that's what it means not that their their hearts are far from him in terms of not loving him as best as they know how but in terms of the fact that they're not working or singing from the right hymn sheet they're singing from their own and it goes on to say that everything that isn't of my father will be uprooted you know so in these days It behoves us to to just listen to what he says he wants to do and do it when he asks us to do it, doesn't it? But I found that ever so interesting. Nothing will work that is not of him. So just expect to see things come tumbling down, because they will. Where it's been initiated by man, I know what's going to happen next. You're going to say, can I have a copy? Well, yeah, you can, but I need to type it out again, because um, it's somewhat disjointed in terms of the way she's typed it. So I'll I'll type it out and... uh, and should have sh- chamfered up a bit. So I found that very very interesting. Right, Okie dokie dokie. I also found it interesting in terms of the fact that we're coming into soon hopefully doing this uh, about fellowships and koinonia and that's talking about unity and oneness and of course the psalms we're in this morning at 133 and 134 and it's all about unity and togetherness and oneness and um, some people are going through some pretty squeezed places at the moment but that's okay what I've learned in watching people like Lola and other folks God is not in a hurry uh, and he will he will do what he wants to do inexorably he will do it the thing is of course that what you do when you don't cooperate is delay and sometimes you can actually be out of time in them with what he wants to do through you because it's happened and gone because uh, you've missed it by if I can use the expression <laughs> uh, I've just gone into Matthew 15 for the minute um, which is I'm just looking to see when he first spoke to me about it because I wrote it in the book O 02 it was, O two, O three, 03, and o 04, we don't have his heart on things, Matthew 15, it's actually headed up debate over tradition, and verse Matthew fifteen thirteen says, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted, let them alone, at verse 14, they are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch, So um, people say what's on God's agenda right now, well the preparation of the Bride is what's on God's agenda. 15, 13 and 14, yeah. I've written at the top, far, not physical distance but likeness, hearts far from like his. That's how it is, you know, their hearts are far from in alignment with his heart. And you have to really let yourself be dealt with to get your heart in alignment with, with what God wants. Because um, his ways, you know, it says in Isaiah 55, doesn't it? Are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And actually, it's his thoughts of love and not our thoughts of love. What we consider to be love is just, it's eros most of the time. And it's mostly self-referential. It's about how we are, you know, how it affects us. And the coming to that place of it being agape, which is how it affects the other person, and is, is quite, uh, well, peels and cause you, really, doesn't it? Pills and cause you. But, uh, so, Father. So let's see if we can get into Psalm 133 and 134 and finish this off. As I say, it's, it's really shaping up and looking good for... Uh, going into koinonia or fellowships is really interesting because that's all about being one this psalms 133 and 134 are really are about being in <coughs> unity and it leads quite naturally into doing fellowships and seeing what god really wants when he wants a group of people to coming together or singing something singing something in the bath yeah old one joyce will know it we are gathering together unto him. We are gathering together unto him. Unto him will the gathering of the people be. We are gathering together unto him. Somebody else know it? You know it? Know no. I it's a good old. Pesticostal one, isn't it, Joyce? Have a slurp. Pesticostal, Pesticostals, Evangelis, this is Steve Hebden, Pesticostal, Evangelis, and, and Charismaniacs. <laughs> he was the one with the flying pigs. Do you see them? He goes, Do you see them? And I say, What? Flying pigs? Pigs are flying again. So we found a flying pig, didn't we, Joyce? It was. You know these things that are like kiddies' windmills? Only it was a pig. Just stuck it in a stick in the garden and we presented him with it. Flying pig. It's always on about pigs will fly. Yeah, pigs can fly. Look, there they go. (laughs) A man with his feet on the ground, wasn't he? Hmm. Right. Okay. One, three, three and one, three, four. I'll just read them out, and it's beauty, Psalm 133 in my Bible, of the unity of the brethren. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore no good looking for blessing unless there's unity Joyce and I worked very hard here to make sure that we're never out with one another we learnt it early on uh, because if ever there was anything between us when we went to bed it would get one or other of us up and have to go in and sort it if you want blessing you've got to be in unity And that means humbling yourself a lot of the time. Because it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about the heart of God. It's about submitting. It's about the fact that there's bigger things than the issue that's actually griping you at the moment, you know, dealing with the flesh. I was talking to someone uh, on Saturday, going through a very dark place at the moment. And I knew that it was God. I said, the dark place you're in, sweetheart, is the shadow of his hand. And as we as we talked on, I've watched this particular person um, run away from the dealings of God for ten years, just run away every time, it's looked like, you know, he's closing in, off again, go somewhere else. But you can't run, you can run, but you can't hide. There's absolutely no point, all you do is delay your own inheritance if you like. Uh, so it's actually stand and pace it like a good soldier and see what it is that God is asking of you and then let him have it um, because he just will not he will not give up on you uh, the, the wonderful thing is God's keeping power this is what I've seen with watching Lola I mean we've had some run-ins Lola and I because I've had words for her from the Lord and they've not been easy ones to bring and I've brought them to her and she's had me jugular several times over it which is fine I don't have to get any result I just have to bring the word as gently and as clearly as I can um but now she's actually she's actually seeing what God has been saying all this time because she's realized she cannot do anything she can't do it we can't do it we can't do it it's a brilliant place to be because only he can Anyway, there we are. Psalm 134. Praise the Lord in the evening. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Now, some of you old Pentecostals will know this one. Behold, bless you, the Lord. All you servants of the Lord. No. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Bless, bless you, the Lord. No. Oh, blow me. I'm on my mouth. Never mind. The tune's a bit. Sorry? No different one. Yeah. a a scripture in song it used to be didn't it Joyce anybody would think we would been Christians for about 40 years I don't know we must have come in I must have come in on a on on an elderly (laughs) fellowship (laughs) (laughs) I was singing all the oldies well behold bless the Lord all you servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion and that actually is the last of the Psalms of Ascent. So again doing a quick skate through what we've seen through going through these Psalms. We've seen that uh, from Psalm 84, blessed is the man in whose heart there is a highway to God and the highway is into the presence of God. And Psalm 120 um, that the beginning of the place of pilgrimage was to have a deep <coughs> desire to be close to God and that pilgrimage is not always easy. I was listening to something of Graham Cook's uh, I mean 1999 that his stuff is always absolutely full of content and it, that the age of it doesn't seem to matter and he was talking about the difficulties and he said Every day brings its own difficulties. You know that there's never a day when he doesn't have a problem, really. Um, but he's learnt to be in a place of peace, with with God, uh, because of the problems. It's the problems that push him into God, and therefore give him the peace. You know, they're designed to actually push you into God. One of the things I'm hoping to do in the uh, summer school is to have a look at spiritual warfare. Uh, and see whether we got it right now. So it's a deep desire to be close to God, to make a decision to leave the edge of the Christian experience and go right into the very presence of God. We saw that distress was real and that we must see God in the present circumstances. We learnt that to reach the goal we must focus our lives on what are God's priorities and make them our priorities. We found that the journey isn't a lone one on our own, but it's one that we make together. It's a community journey. Let us go up to the house of the Lord. And the greatest spiritual progress comes in community, not in isolation. We also saw that one of the hardest lessons of the pilgrimage is that of waiting on the Lord. Because we're in a now generation and we have to uh, wait I've asked him several questions over the last couple of days and uh, I haven't got an answer yet and uh, I'm just waiting if he doesn't answer initially he will eventually if the question is worth asking (laughs) so we develop a steadfast endurance and a confident expectation that God will act on our behalf and from that we can say that I will be done because we can't do it unless we've got a confident expectation in God. Joyce Meyer says I think that you can't cast your care unless you're prepared to leave it there and leave God to answer in the way that he chooses because what we mostly do is we have an agenda and we want him to answer in a particular way and so we can't let it go we keep Petitioning because it's what we want Whereas we actually need if we're really going to cast our care to let it go and Then whatever the outcome is we know it's him And we're all coming into Understanding that God can be trusted Because we're conditioned by the enemy to be suspicious Because the enemy has filled us actually full of lies about the nature of of God and we don't realize until we come up against it how we instinctively run from God when we should run to him which is exactly what the enemy wants us to do because we run straight into his arms not into God's and uh, we're delivered over to the tormentor himself so we go round and round and round in our minds trying to work things out looking for a way of escape because we've allowed the enemy to get us cornered we've got to learn to run to him and learn to rest in him and know that he really really has got our best interests at heart but that's a process and he's committed you to process whether you like it or not you're in it so in Psalm 125 we learnt that we are to be established in God and grow into maturity and learn the lesson of trusting him having confidence in him based on who he is Um, I'm working out a few little um, practicals for the summer school and one of them I think that I'm gonna ask people to do is go away for an hour and write down a list of who God is for you in your experience not like you can say list them out because you can see them in the scripture but those that you've lived So that you can say, God is this to me. Uh, Graham often says, what is the thing that you love about God most? Um, What is it of his character that that actually captivates you? Well, whatever it is, is what he's actually giving you and revealing to you of himself at this minute because you wouldn't know it if he didn't give it you. And I find that ever such a difficult question difficult thing to answer because i actually love who god is i love the fact that he is i'm often saying to him i'm just so grateful that you are that you're not a figment of my imagination and i i love everything about him and and i just love who he is where would i be if he wasn't real <laughs> Uh, all I once held dear built my life upon what's that one spent and useless now compared to this knowing you Jesus knowing you there is no greater thing you're my all you're the best you're my joy my righteousness and I love you Lord that's it isn't it yeah he's bringing us to the place where we absolutely roll over with our paws in the air and actually he will bring us the, the easiest way we will come we govern how quickly we get to where he wants to take us you can come the easy route and say yes in the face of fear or you can struggle and strain and wrestle and pull and exhaust yourself and end up like a like a dog that's been at the end of a lead you know being reeled in uh, years later the easy way is to just recognize who's lord round here and bow the knee It's then that we see what our rebellious nature is like when we start fighting God. We've got to see it for what it is. Otherwise, we won't. Excuse me. Side against it and side with God. And as we side with Him, so we discover His beauty. You know, we discover the nature of God. It's it is something. He is a revelatory God. He reveals Himself all the time to you personally I'm like this I'm not like that really it only fools are rebellious in the face of God the fool has said in his heart there is no God we're his children it says in Isaiah doesn't it the ox knows his stall and the donkey knows his master but my people do not know me and I think largely for the church it's the same thing we don't know him we've got some sort of plastic idea or potty idea of what he's like we've either got him all oh old oh, has i don't know if any of you see Have, have you've seen telsa's some um, bits and pieces that get sent to her from from some ministry or other in america the most awful the most oh they are the cheapest of the cheap awful trinket things you know absolutely because we you support the ministry you get this figurine of Mary and Joseph and it, you open it up at the bottom and there's gold frankincense and myrrh underneath. They look like jelly sweets. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely parlous. It's absolutely terrible. It's it's so hideous. But we get these sort of ideas like plastic figurines of of, of what Jesus is like. You know. And we don't know the real thing. And the real thing will ravish your heart I'm going off Never mind So it's a confidence that we're developing That God will respond to our need And the truth is that we must trust him fully Because he's for us And he will keep pushing us into himself Until we see it it um, just will keep doing it but as I say we come um, He brings us the easiest way we will come So if we've got any sense we just roll over with our paws in the air and say yes So in Psalm 126 we saw that we need to sow in order to reap and that we're called to maturity and that one of the first priorities of our spiritual pilgrimage we found in Psalms 127 and 128. And that is the priority that God puts on families. And families are our first order of service and our first level of ministry. And that marriage was holy unto God. Then in Psalm 129 and 130 we found that the walk wasn't all glorious I've said before. To go from victory to victory is to go from battle to battle but the testing and trials we go through are purposeful if our heart is set on pilgrimage and they're there to get us to a place there there are things called test commands Uh, Adam had one in the garden of the trees all the trees in the garden you can eat but don't eat that one that's a test command God's given him a commandment the test is will he eat sometimes he gives us test commandments don't do that do this I'm putting in mind of the prophet I think we looked at him a few weeks ago that God said to him go to a certain place do a certain thing and don't come back the same way as you went and don't speak to anyone on the way but he got led astray by someone saying to him oh but the Lord said you can come in here Ends up getting eaten by a lion, doesn't he? If God's told you to do something, you keep single-minded with it and don't get swayed by anybody because that's your test. The command is do this. Somebody says, ah, but the Lord said. Pardon? No, it was a prophet in the Old Testament. uh, Not Balaam, no. No, Balaam was was a... Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's it he went up. that's it he was a naughty boy he met the uh, angel of the Lord didn't he mm-hmm. so testings and trials and they produce humility um, because we can't help but as it says there go lower and God brings us lower the way up is down in the Christian walk uh, the way up is down there is no, no way That it's anything else. So in Psalm one three one, we saw that it was the longest lesson to learn because it was the focus was on humility. Everything that he may increase, that I might decrease. That's it's it's the low way into the kingdom to get under what they used to call it limbo dancing, didn't they? Going under the low thing. And then in psalm 132 we found that the way of the pilgrim was a way of passion for the things of god and we found that passion helped us come into the presence and power of god and that we can't have anything except it's given to us by god uh, y- you have nothing unless he gives it you we can't love him unless he gives it us love to love him with if we say we love god without knowing his love it's in our soul and actually what we've got is uh, our own idea of what it means to love God you cannot rec- unless you've received it from him you can't give it back he gives us so that we most as used to say it's like a you know a child you know daddy 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 can I have some money I want to buy you a present uh, we get it from him and we give it back to him daddy can I have some money I want to buy you a present and it's, that's the way it goes it all starts with him and ends with him. It goes round in a circle. And the cycle starts and ends with him. So the low way is the way to progress. On the spiritual pilgrimage. And it's also the way of spiritual greatness. You'll find that any aspirations. That you've actually got. God will dig out. <coughs> and deal with. <laughs> Write a book on that. You know, I'm proud. I'm not proud. I don't know, Father. I don't want anything. No, no, no. Secretly, fancy a place up the front there. He'll deal with it. There we are. So it's been a challenge, hasn't it, really? And now we come to the last two, one three three and one three four, and they will conclude the uh, studies on the Psalms of Ascent. And Psalm 133 deals with an issue of vital concern to God And it's the priority of building his church And the unity of the saints Let's have a look at it again Behold how good and pleasant it is For brethren to dwell together in unity It's like the precious oil upon the head Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron Running down on the edge of his garments It's like the dew of Hermon Descending upon the mountains of Zion For there the Lord commanded the blessing Life forevermore We can talk about unity And we can go and have a cup of tea Before we have our service on Saturday And another cup of tea afterwards And think that we've got fellowship it is only when you actually start living your lives with one another and you see what one another's like first thing in the morning. That's why it's so good in this place. You see us last thing at night and first thing in the morning. Because uh, you see us under pressure, you see us. There is no. We cannot be anything other than real. We can't do it. Because we're actually in living with you. We can all put the face on and put the religious praise the Lord face on when it's just you know on a Saturday on a Sunday when we're at church but the reality of it is so totally different Um, and so what we're coming into what Lola was describing is a completely different way and it'll be agape there's no place for religion in it and there's no place for worldliness in it when we look at uh, what agape really is there's two little curly bits that come out One is the religious side and the other side is the worldliness side and you want to go straight up, straight into kingdom purposes. So God's priority is the building of his church and the unity of his saints. And for the house of God to be built there must be a unity amongst the community. And the church is called the Edah of God, that is the called out ones. And its purpose is to bear witness to the holiness of God we're a called out congregation and that only happens in the context of a covenant so if you examine the events of Sinai with Moses you'd soon discover that all the things are written actually in the context of a covenant and Arnold Fruchtenbaum the guy that. Uh, wrote an awful you know Arnold don't you John Arnold Fruchtenbaum Footsteps of the Messiah Um, no no um, Jack Cathy had it first didn't she Um, but he talks about uh, the covenant that God made with the Israelites as a covenant of marriage very interesting I mean only a Jewish oh come in only the Jewish perspective would, would see that that it was a covenant of marriage between God and the children of Israel because he talks of Israel as his wife. If you look in Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel 16. It's always my favourite passage. Flip into that for a minute. I'll give you a break in a minute. That's it. That's it. Yes, in Ezekiel sixteen, he's he's actually talking about when he called Israel as a as a um, and I've written over the top marriage contract Deuteronomy. He called them as a marriage, and he starts off um, by saying where they were born in verse four. Your nativity on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to c- cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt Nor swathed in swaddling clothes No I pitied you To do any of these things to, for you To have compassion on you When you yourself were abhorred On the day you were born And he says he passed by and saw them And said live And then he's, it goes on Verse 7, 8, 9 uh, he, he made them thrive He covered them uh, He put his wing over them And swore an oath And entered into covenant with you says the Lord and he clothed them and adorned them uh, but in verse 15 he says you trusted in your own beauty and played the harlot because of your fame and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it so the wife goes off and commits adultery um, it's very interesting when you see how how God the relationship God intends with his people it is so close is the husband-wife relationship and it's no different for us because we're the bride of christ it's an intimacy that a lot of us shrink away from really and one of the most delightful things i ever realized it's many many years ago now was that i couldn't have a single thought without he knew about it And that he knew the worst thing that I'd ever done or would be likely to do and he still loved me. I mean that is a place (laughs) of acceptance. There's nobody but him. I remember giving my testimony once because I I haven't given it very, no, it's my history but you know it's called a testimony in those days of how I came to the Lord. And um, I've only done it two or three times. Not a pretty story, um. And I remember the lady in the front row. Dear sweet lady, she was. Her husband was a pastor, and she was. And when I got to the bit about how I got saved and how I was like, she—I could see she was shocked to the core. You know, we don't have people like that in our church. <laughs> <laughs> we never know what it is that's going to shock us, do we? Really? And bless her heart. I not remember the name now. So Sinai, and actually there are six hundred and thirteen commandments, and the majority of those commandments don't relation that do not relate to our relationship with God, but with one another, brothers and sisters in the community of faith. If you take the ten written commandments, you find four are towards God, and six deal with our relationship to one another. Bob Mumford says, one time he'd said to his wife, I'm going to buy three acres and I'm going to put barbed wire around the outside and I'm going to have my Bible under my arm and it's going to be me and God. (laughs) He was so fed up with people. (laughs) Sure sign, God was dealing with him. But you can't be a Christian in isolation. You actually can't because those areas that actually need dealing with will not get dealt with. Um while you're all by yourself. It's only when we start bouncing about together. Do in, in you remember people used to go in for polishing stones and they used to put them in a drum and bash them all together till they got all nice and smooth? That's how it's like in, the, in, the, in, in a house group. I, I know someone uh, that's tried a number of house groups and of course none of them are quite on the same wavelength as they are and so each time they come out at a house group because you know well they're not and then they went to a conference somewhere up country and oh it was so wonderful everybody was on the same wavelength i thought yeah for five minutes in a rarefied atmosphere it was all all right but <laughs> you know peeps is peeps uh, if you really want to come and get some edges knocked off come and live here for a fortnight that really help you you'll find you've got lots of grace growers and um, you really will you know come out of it different at the end of the day so harmony and unity with the people of god is very important to 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 god so the lesson we need to emphasize from psalm 133 is the bond of brotherhood is essential for entering into the presence and power of god and receiving his anointing and blessing and peace as i said to you only with harmony could this place operate? And that means that that there are times when we give way to one another the rights and wrongs of it are not the issue. The issue is peace. I can be right but if I'm going to stand up for my rights and my right to be right I've immediately lost it as far as God's concerned. I do not have to battle for that. It's just completely at variance with our old human nature that will say, I think it's, uh, what's his name? Tony Morton that tells the story. He went in to get some batteries from a shop. Woolworths or somewhere like that. Got to the checkout. And um, there was suddenly an altercation with the girl on the checkout that these were not... I forget the detail of it. But he said, I could have stood there and died for those batteries. (laughs) I could have stood there and argued the toss about these batteries and where I'd found them and how much they were and I could have stood up for it. But he chose the way of peace. He just let it go. If you really want to be peaceful, don't fight your corner. Uh, something I used to, to, to live with for a long time was no defence, no attack. Because in defending yourself, you're attacking someone else. And at the end of the day, God is your vindicator. There have been times when I, two or three times where I've been publicly humiliated in church, bless them, for God's purposes, because it was part of my training. Now, had I decided at that point to go and vindicate myself and speak to them and get a word in edgeways there, I would not have passed my test. Because I recognized the test that was going on. That it was a public humiliation because God wanted to deal with something in me and I knew what I had to do. no defense, no attack, let it go, doesn't matter. And I came home and dealt with the pain and the everything else that before God. <laughs> Does our sister need prayer? No our sister needs to sleep better it's not you is it who's that down there saying sorry <laughs> I'll give you a break for five minutes or so I'll spend a penny time okay I just want to read a little bit here from um, uh, Bob Mumford's 15 Steps Out where he goes through the Psalms of Ascent he's talking about union with our brethren I love this, for brethren to dwell together in unity is not only good and pleasant it's also miraculous and infrequent (laughs) The greatest miracle of Pentecost was that they were all together in one place with one accord I heard a theoretical explanation of how this happened They were gathered together, Mary, Peter, Bartholomew, James, John and Philip and 114 other disciples to wait on the Lord They waited and waited until finally the human spirit began to settle God made them wait for ten days about the sixth day Mary got up and said you know even though he was my own son I didn't always believe him Peter got up and said of all failures I am the chief James stood to say remember in the garden when we all forsook him one by one they got up to confess their faults until finally they were reduced to nothing the result was called one accord the only time we can ever be in one accord with our brethren is when we're reduced to nothing. What a glorious thing it is when brethren get together in unity. How did Jesus say they will know that we are his disciples? By the gifts of the Spirit? By our preaching? If you have love for one another. Love is the only thing that cannot be counterfeited. You can counterfeit lesser things, but not the supreme gift, the supernatural love of God agape defies imitation you can pretend until something happens to reveal what's really in you the mask of hypocrisy wears through quickly only the man who walks with Jesus knows an unending supply of love for himself and for others union with God is one thing union with your brethren is another the cross is both vertical and horizontal your union with God is not complete if it does not embrace your brethren it's easy enough to fellowship alone with God, but all the rest of God's family? <laughs> that's what it's all about, you know, is actually determining, setting our heart to do something, uh, and that something is actually die. You know, that's, that's what the girlie, when I saw her on Saturday morning, the end of the day, she said, this is the cross, isn't it? I said, yes, dear. But after the cross is a resurrection life. You don't stay hanging there once you've made the decision that you're actually going to side with the Holy Spirit against your old nature and you ask him to give you time every time to take that breath and say make a choice to go God's way you will begin to find that the areas and times of reacting reduce And you come to a place of responding. And we all come the same way. We have to go through that thing of siding against the Adamic nature. I'm not having it. I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm not going that way. And no amount of prayer will make the slightest bit of difference. These are decisions that you make in your heart to become Christ-like because you're now aligning yourself with God because his uh, purpose and intention is to make you like Christ is bringing many sons to glory so you can have it as quick or as slow as you like really you can decide that you're you just not gonna you're gonna uh, not gonna stand for your rights any longer I told you that years and years ago I said the Lord I gave up my right to choose That means he has my free will. I don't have a right to anything in my life. He chooses for me that which is best. As I said this morning, put my thing on, felt the Lord said these earrings, then spotted a darker pair in the little box and thought, oh, they'd be even better. Put them on, killed it. I thought, it's the other ones that you said in the first place. So I took myself round that little thing. I could have done exactly what he said the first time. See, it's right down to the minutia. And if we can't obey in the big things, in the little things, we'll never obey in the big ones. He can't trust us with big things till he can trust us with little things. And it starts with the little things. It starts with the test command in something small. That's where it starts. With the test command in something small. Don't do that, do this. Mm. Oh, well, you gave me. F- How many times have I heard Christians say, well, he gave me free will? I think, yeah, name for nothing. That simply means you're in rebellion, you want to go the way you want to go. Off to Joppa, cheerio, and when you come back, vomited out by a fish. It's so self-defeating and we are actually collaborating with the enemy every time we choose against God it's not into a vacuum it is collaborating with the enemy because it's our old nature so we've got to come to the place where we actually collaborate with God all the time and we are partners with him that brings us into bridal partnership where he shares his heart with us and we are watching what he is doing And we're partnering with what he is doing and seeing things happen because that's the place we come to in maturity, bridal partnership. But you don't get there overnight. You get there by consistent integrity in your life, honesty in your life, being honest with yourself, first place honesty with yourself no good saying I've always been like this I always will be like this no you have a new DNA you have got a choice you've got your old DNA which is fully developed and it's full of my this my that I want I'll have me at the center and you've got the new DNA which is the DNA of Jesus so you get to choose which DNA you're going to develop you can walk in bitterness and forgiveness resentment and you can, you'll can, you get twisted up and gnarled up. You'll have no peace because you still think someone owes you something. Let God pay the debts. If there's anybody here that's feeling that they're owed, let God do the de- deciding in that. He pays the debts. He's the judge. It's not for us to judge. People will come across our path and they will do things to us and God will allow it because guess what he's looking at our reactions and responses that's why they're there whatever situation or circumstances around your life right now it is tailor-made to bring forth Christ in you people will say oh if only I didn't have this and if I didn't have that I'd be a much better Christian if I didn't have to put up with this all day Ah, oh, but it's there for you to put up and shut up and grow being a disciple of Jesus is, is being a soldier. It's not easy. We have to make quality choices day in, day out, moment by moment. But with that comes righteousness, joy and peace. And you can't buy those things. You can't buy righteousness, joy and peace. And he works them in as we make the choices. It gets easy. And you look back when you have come through the trial and you think, it could have been so much harder than that. We all get to choose where we place our feet. (coughs) I can't make the choices for you. I can only say, walk like this. Because this is the critical path. It's the quickest way between two points. Get the nodding dog syndrome. Yes, Lord. That's it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. We say it, don't <coughs> we? And then he asks us something. No, Lord. No, Lord. No, no, Lord. Oh, not that, Lord. Oh, don't touch that, Lord. Oh, no, Lord. Well, I'm not ready for that, Lord. You can't say no and Lord in the same breath because they're a oxymoron. <laughs> He's either Lord or he isn't. And <laughs> if you're saying no, he isn't, Lord. I always thought oxymorons, I didn't know what it was, now I do, anyway here we go, so only when there is harmony between the community can unity be fully experienced and the anointing of God and the power of God can then be seen, everything needs to be in order and in harmony then you have delight, pleasantness and blessing, what does Joyce Mayer say peace, harmony and a pleasant atmosphere she says now guess who's responsible in your house for peace, harmony and a pleasant atmosphere you get to choose whether you're going to live in peace, harmony and a pleasant atmosphere or whether you're going to be tearing strips off of each other and be like a piece of sandpaper every time someone comes up against you you get to choose and don't tell me that you feel happy being like that because inside you're not I know I've been there, miserable as, just don't like it, pint of old grump, you know, and a strop chaser as my son used to say about his wife, pint of old grump and a strop chaser, I I didn't realise till I met her and understood her a bit more (laughs) to the point that was, bless her heart, oh she's not a happy girly. The reason she isn't happy is that always someone's upsetting her and she's always standing in her corner and she's always fighting. And she's not happy. The only way to peace is to lay it down. Lay it down. It isn't worth it. Lay it down. Lay it down. doesn't matter. At the end of the day, has it got any eternal value? If the answer is no, lay it down. Lay it down. Not worth having a heart attack over it. It's not worth having a strop over it. It really isn't. I had a bit of a fight with myself when I came back because, as usual, there were a few messages on the phone, like 12 of them, and one of them was from HSBC Bank. Very quick message saying, Mrs. Moore and Mrs. McIntyre, can you ring HSBC Paddock? on. There's a great long number there and it took me a long time to unscramble the number, I finally thought, right, I've got the number for Paddock Wood, I'm home and dry here. So I get, and I get an answer message, don't I? Press this for that, that for that. None of it fitted what I needed. So, and I'm pushing down the agitation, because as those of you who know, that the cheque got lost for the car. So we issued another one. And I'm thinking, surely there's nothing gone wrong with that cheque took the mandate in they checked that over that was okay so i'm pushing down anxiety that's another thing you push away fear that's active when fear wants to get you you push it away no i'm not having fear it's not i'm not having that i'm not going there i'm not thinking about it so i quieted myself got some peace went to sleep didn't worry following morning asked the lord what to do about it felt going to Paddockwood, and it was not was on my agenda but i had to go into Paddockwood. wood So I sauntered in to HSBC to find that the lady who had left the message wasn't in. So I'm praying like mad, Lord, please let someone know what it was. They go off. Nobody knows why she could possibly have needed to ring us. Bring all the account up on the thing. Everything looks in order. So I'm waiting for a phone call this afternoon to find out what that was about. But I could have had any one of half a dozen reactions to that I could have let it disturb my peace I could have got angry I've got another one coming this morning We have never had a water bill From, I don't know what it is We usually have southern water And now there's another water There's a water bill there And it's not for us It's for Mr Abraham who lived here 11 years ago So I'm thinking I will pray about that later i will pray about that find out if we need to do anything so you get something like this you ask the lord do we need to do something about this i'll just tear it up and forget it you know because sometimes it's just not worth the trouble of going the way you have to go these days to find an automated response on the other end Um, thank goodness they're not wanting any money out of us but i can't imagine what they're doing right into us in the first place you know you owe us 17 pounds something and then no you don't 17 pounds something credit and i thought oh well should afford it to Mr. Abraham, shouldn't I? That would have been a good one. So what I'm trying to say is that your peace is in your hands. And we need to work on our peace levels so that we become people of peace, so that the world out there sees something different. They're all in an agitate about all sorts of things. I mean, uh, again, those of you that know, we've had this problem with the car uh, or the payment for it. Um, and they brought us a bunch of flowers June tells me yesterday that she got a bunch of flowers as well (laughs) why was that? I think it was because we reacted differently or responded differently from the way the rest of the world would have done because when I spoke to the guy and you know I was ready to go for his jugular but God got hold of me and it was sweetness that came out you see if you give him the time to get hold of you he will and you respond completely differently you need to give him that right to do that Uh, sometimes you feel you want to say can i just have a carnal moment you know can i not be a christian for a minute and garrot them quietly (laughs) because people will get on your pip and as graham says if you're running away from three grace growers in this country and you'll land at the landing strip but there'll be six of them waiting for you on the (laughs) landing strip (laughs) You cannot get away from it. Ah, oh dear, you just might as well enjoy it. So there we are. So everything needs to be in order and in harmony. And then you have delight and pleasantness and blessing. And you will find that it takes pressure. Like, uh, you know that Gethsemane means oil press what the word means and you will feel you find yourself in the oil press of God sometimes in the wine press of God because he wants to see whether what's going to come out is going to be sweet or sour so if we get to choose whether it's going to be sweet or sour when we're under pressure if we've got any sense we'll choose to be sweet because we're going to have to go around it again. Otherwise. <laughs> <sighs> and as I say, the peace that comes within, inside, is is something you cannot, you can't buy it. You can't bottle it and you can't buy it. But peace is what you get. And you become a blessing to those around you. So, Psalm 133, three, 2 and 3. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And the oil symbolizes the confirmation that when the person is anointed, the very Spirit of God is provided And God's strength, support and wisdom are on the person anointed. Also the priest was sanctified which means he was set apart for the exclusive service of God. And the anointing oil which covered him, it ran from his head to his feet showing that God's anointing covers us completely. And the second image of the Jew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion Mount Hermon is in the region of the Galilee which in, is in northern Israel and it's the highest mountain peak in Israel and most of the year it's snow capped and the dew would descend from above as it were onto the land below but the psalmist is saying it's as if the dew was transported all the way down from the north to the dry area in the south and it falls as a nourishing source it's the same image as Isaiah 55 as the rain and the snow come down but they profit don't they bringing forth buds makes things spring forth that's it that's it and it's like us we can cause things to spring forth by our attitude we c- if we meet flesh with flesh you'll get a punch on the nose if you meet flesh with spirit the whole temperature will come down you get to choose whether you're a thermometer or a thermostat thermostat heats the, con- the constant temperature doesn't it but a thermometer just registers what's going on up it goes like the blamometer <laughs> <laughs> ah, so only when there's unity and love among the brethren do the blessings of God flow and remember again those 120 in one accord when the Holy Spirit came on them and the blessing and power of God followed unity and it's not something that happens naturally it's brokenness before God Uh, something that we don't talk about very much these days because actually we don't like it we want all the blessings of heaven but we don't want the brokenness that comes I think that uh, Bob Mumford says something about that in here brokenness is part of the portion We need to allow God to actually break us. Uh, That doesn't mean he's he's, he's breaking us like um, grief breaks us or trauma breaks us. It's not that sort of breaking. It's the breaking of the soul power. Soul power is is hideous and we don't need it. And we need to get rid of it so that we can start to walk in the spirit. Because it's only by walking in the spirit... That we will experience the presence of the power of God. He does not anoint the flesh. Flesh cannot be anointed. He only crucifies it. Um, what's he say here? Can't find it. I'm sure I read something about it this morning. brokenness really brokenness is the only thing you've got to allow yourself to be broken by the things that God brings into your into your ambit Um, allow the cross to do its work and not as this is where we started off really Um, allowing it to do its work in your life and then after the cross comes resurrection life um, but there's no way you'll get resurrection life on this side of the cross. Uh, Paul says that which I do, I wish I didn't, and one thing and another. But that's the soul life in him that's active. Our soul is very powerful, because as as you know, uh, it it's use, it used to being in control. Uh, it's used to being top dog, and it doesn't give up easily. It won't won't give up easily. We have to fight the blighter so that we can move in the Spirit and there's a complete difference um, those who are uh, led by the Spirit are the sons of God it's this this progression from nepios to huios and it's just committing yourself to the process of God really and allowing him and finding out what it is he's doing in your life because people come to me and they come with issues but the issue is never the issue the issue is What's God doing in this? And they don't like that. Now I want to tell you what they said to me and I want to say what I've done. They want to tell me the whole of the gab that's been going on. You know, they said this, I said that. That isn't the issue. With respect it isn't. It's what's God saying in this? What's he trying to bring about in you? What reaction is he trying to, or response is he trying to elicit in you? And and this is the, where the breaking comes. We will not like it, but it's lovely when it's done, because through the cross is resurrection life. It was that picture that, that I finished with this that uh, people had, "How long have I got?" Oh, um, someone had a picture of the river, you know, the, the river of God, and these people were jumping in, and some jumped in and went right down and disappeared completely. And then there was another picture and it was a sandy beach and the and the waves were throwing these people up on the beach and they were just absolutely out of it, battered. And they're splat onto the beach and they're laid out there like kippers drying off. And while they're laid out there absolutely exhausted and done for, there's a lorry behind them being loaded up by Jesus with loads of good things. And what the interpretation was that was if you go deep enough in the river you will come to the cross and you'll die. But you'll come up into resurrection life splat out on the sand and Jesus has got the lorry full of goodies for you to deliver to other people. Because we're supposed to be channels only, blessed master. Our life is to be a blessing to others. That is what we're here for. We're here to bless the community, to bless other Christians, to to be a blessing, to not consider ourselves but to put the other person first. The welfare of the other one, that's agape. It's not self-referential, it's what's the best thing for this person in this situation, Father. What do you want me to be for them? Uh, Bob Mumford says, Koinonia is break off a piece of of yourself and give it to me. When you think about that, living in fellowship is saying, take a piece of me and eat off it. It's not cannibalism. It's giving yourself totally. It's being in covenant relationship with one another. And us Brits are not good at that because we are very much insular. Shut the front door, keep the world out. Turn the telly on, turn it up loud Sound out, every blot out Every sound And reserve the right to make our own Judgments and criticise and do everything Else as well while we're in the privacy Of our own home, little realising that The Lord's in there as well, knows what goes on In your bedroom Uh, As Lola's Word said at the beginning there, we're encased In like plaster Of Paris and God's just Going to break that casing off of us so it gets to the sweetness inside which is jesus and if anyone's read uh, release of the spirit which is watchman knee that talks about the breaking of the outer man and the outermost the in and the innermost man which is your body your soul your spirit and that's jesus walked with his spirit on the outside and his flesh was the last thing he was concerned about his physical flesh But we walk the other way. We want our bodily comforts. So it's out of the comfort zone. Walking on the water, doing the will of God. Be blessed. Thank you for listening. God bless you.